Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. And I must say there's a couple of things I just have to say at the top of the show. This is the beginning of my seventh year as the host of the Born to Talk radio show. Three years in the studio, and now three years on Blog Talk Radio. And I have had hundreds and hundreds of phenomenal guests on my show, and today is no exception. Joining me again is Ellie Lax, and Ellie Lax is the founder of The Gentle Barn, and she's also the author of My Gentle Barn. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you. It's so good to talk to you. Oh gosh, it's it's a blessing and I'm I'm just so happy to have you joining me again and I know that you are what I referred to the woman I had on last week, a master juggler. You do so much that I hope that you take a little time for a little yoga deep breath now and then just to calm down. So, I thought we were we could start is for people that that missed our first show perhaps or, or maybe they listen, but they just don't quite recall. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, absolutely. I was born an animal lover. Um, I've always been obsessed with animals. I've never understood why people around me couldn't see animals as the magical, incredible healers, teachers, and friends that they are. And from the age of seven, I always said to anyone that would listen that when I grow up, I'm going to have a huge place full of animals and I'm going to show the world how beautiful they are. And that was a dream that it took a long time to start because I didn't know how to take the first steps, but I would draw it, sing it, imagine it. I could smell it, taste it, and touch it in my mind. And finally, finally, um, about 22 years ago, I stumbled upon an abusive petting zoo, saw the animals that were suffering. Um, A goat was blocking the exit and asked me to help her. I brought her home, went back for more animals, and before I knew it, my little half-acre backyard was filled with animals, and I realized I just started my dream. And that was was 21 years ago, and now every single day I get to wake up and live my dream and be the voice for these animals and save their lives and open people's hearts, and I'm so happy. Isn't that that so wonderful to have that? vision so long ago you can touch it you can feel it you can smell it you can remember it and many people can do that many people don't remember what they did yesterday and it's it's all about what's real important and and how you have manifested this dream into this nonprofit and it's just it's just remarkable. So what year did it actually open? Um, you said it was 21 years ago. I can't do the math. Was that 1999? Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the grand opening of the Gentle Barn was August 25th, 1999. And I started on my little half-acre backyard. 
Um, uh-huh. A few years later, somebody came in to volunteer, and we worked side by side and fell in love a year later. And we are now married, and he helps me run the gentle barn, my partner, Jay Weiner. And he moved us from that little half-acre backyard with a handful of animals to our very big five-acre location in Santa Clarita, which is just 30 minutes north of Los Angeles. We also have a 15-acre healing center. And then six years ago, we opened a gentle barn in Tennessee. And three years ago, we opened a gentle barn in St. Louis. So we are now a national organization with three locations. And if this pandemic will ever end, we would love to open a fourth location in New York. I will, I will say this to you this way. In my belief system, this pandemic will end. I don't know when because I don't know, but I have belief that it will. So I know you're in St. Louis. Where are you located in Tennessee? In Nashville. In Nashville, okay. Yeah. Does that have you traveling between the three places, between um, Nashville and St. Louis and then here in Santa Clarita? Yes, my husband and I travel extensively. Now, we haven't gone anywhere in the last year. Um, But as things start to open back up, we are making plans to go to the other locations. And um, as a matter of fact, my husband is in Nashville right now. It's the first time we traveled um, in a year to see the Nashville location because it flooded. So, yeah, we travel a lot, and um, we have wonderful managers for each location, and um, we get to love all these animals. We have about 200 rescued animals um, in all three locations, so it's wonderful to get to see them. Yes. So 200 combined between the three? Yes. Got it. You know, I would just like to let people know, I love your website. Now, granted... I am a photographer in my amateur side of life. And just looking at Chico right now on your website, and for those of you that are listening, it's very simple. It's just dentalbarn.org. You're going to see Chico. And if you subscribe and you get the newsletters and the blogs like I do, you will even get more in touch with what the incredible work you guys are doing because you do have a mission, and I know what that is. It's teaching people kindness and compassion to animals, each other, and our planet. It might sound mighty, but when you break it down and you think about how hard is it to be kind and how hard is it to be compassionate, can't we all strive to do that and help each other and our planet? It is just so perfectly stated. I, 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 love, I, love, your, I love your mission, and I love what you do. And so I am, you, you brought up the subject of COVID, and I am really interested about that. It's affected everybody. I would love to be able to travel and go see my son in Tucson. You know, I would love to be able to travel because I love to travel. And we are absolutely, for so many of us, homebound. I, I take a walk. I get outside. You know, I enjoy the outdoors. I, I tease it. I say I take my camera for a walk, and so I do that. But I'm just curious, in your, in your COVID life at Gentle Barn, how has that played a part in your advocacy, advocacy across your three locations? Yeah, COVID has changed our lives like it's changed all of our lives. And some of it was harder and some of it was better. Um, I think that 
to every cloud, there's a silver lining, and there's gifts in this COVID that I'm really trying to pay attention to and be grateful for. So when the pandemic first hit, um, the slaughterhouses were closing down, and farmers in the meat and dairy industry were panicking that they were going to get caught with all these animals and not be able to sell them and not be able to make a living. And in the meat and dairy industry, cows are kept eternally pregnant, and so usually they wait until they have their babies um, to utilize them, but because of the pandemic and they were panicking, they ended up sending all of their animals to slaughter, and they were going to slaughter pregnant. And so <clears throat> this happens all the time, but during the pandemic, it happened even more on a larger scale that cows were giving birth on the kill floor. And we have a relationship with the owner of the biggest Los Angeles slaughterhouse that when an animal has a baby at the slaughterhouse, they'll call us and allow us to take the mom and the baby back to the gentle barn. And we've done this for years. But when the pandemic hit, it was like rescuing cows on steroids. So we would get call after call after call after call. And so we were bringing in a tremendous amount of cows with their babies. Some of the cows, their babies died at the slaughterhouse, but we were still able to save them. And we were doing a tremendous amount of work and taking in more cows in a small amount of time than ever before, but we also didn't have volunteers. Because of COVID, all the volunteers were staying home and we were all being safe. And so we had to do all the work on our own. And so wow. we had very few staff, me and my husband, and we had like a few staff members. And we were doing the work that we usually, usually had hundreds of volunteers helping us do. And so we were working really, really hard. But it was good work, right? I mean, it was very hard. Um, we didn't sleep much. We didn't have any days off. But it was really good work because we were pouring our souls into these animals that have seen the darkest of humanity and showing them the best. And so it was very rewarding and very beautiful. And those cows are with us today, alive and well and thriving. How did um, you – I'm trying to – excuse my interruption, Ellie, but I'm just trying to visualize this. So how did you get these cows physically from that slaughterhouse to your location? My husband, Jay, uh, went to the slaughterhouse with his truck and trailer, and he would load them up and drive them home. Wow. And we had um, quarantine stalls set up waiting for them that were separated from the other animals so they wouldn't bring disease into our existing herd. And they quarantined for 30 days, and, of course, the vets were waiting for them to check them. We had some chlorella in their water to boost their immune systems. We had the vets prescribing antibiotics for their pneumonia. Um, we had, you know, gloves and bleach washes and all kinds of things for our, for our staff to go in and out of and not transmit disease. And um, usually to kind of resuscitate them emotionally, we would have volunteers take four-hour shifts all through the day and all through the night, reading out loud to them, singing to them, playing meditation music with them, getting the cows used to people coming and going. But we didn't have those volunteers. And so I would park myself with these cows from like, you know, I don't know, 9 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock at night. And um, I would just be with them and give them the medical attention that they needed and give them the emotional support. And I would talk to them and I would paint the picture of how beautiful their life is going to be once they've recovered and how many friends they're going to have. And um, thankfully, um, there were other people that kind of noticed that I was in there for 12 hours a day, and they would come and bring me food and make <laughs> sure that I was drinking water. And um, somehow we got through it. So it was it was a hard time, and it was a magical time at the same same time. Well, I, I guess 
I, you know, I, I, can, I can hear that, and I can, I, I, it's almost impossible to imagine your exhaustion, frankly, because it's not like your shift was over. You know, these, these animals were counting on you, and you were there for them, which is just remarkable. When I, when I, when I look at your uh, website, and you, like I said, you have a fabulous website. And Thank you. When, we, when we talk about your book a little bit later, um, um, people need to know that um, they can buy your book, My Gentle Barn, straight off your website, and that money also goes to you rather than to, you know, it's just another dollar or two in your pocket, not to mention you'll always accept a donation. But I was looking at the, the link on your site about classes, and I wasn't aware when we when we did this um, before that you had online classes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What how what that's all about and what the status is of that right now? Yeah, so that's one of the blessings of this pandemic is that we had to think outside the box and we had to roll with the punches. And so prior to the pandemic, we had hundreds of people that would come on a Sunday and visit all three locations, and they would bring with them their donations. And so those hundreds of people with their hundreds of donations would support the Gentle Barn and go to animal care and and help us run our programs. And all of a sudden, overnight, those people were gone. The Gentle Barn was closed for an entire year, and we were in trouble financially, Um, not only financially, but we still wanted to extend our reach to the community. People rely on the Gentle Barn for their hope and inspiration. If they're having a bad day, they go onto our site and it makes them happy. They clue into these animals and they watch them grow and they watch them recover. And it just inspires people. So we didn't want that to end. And so rolling with the punches, we said, okay, let's take everything that we did before and make it virtual. So instead of people being able to visit in person on Sundays, we started doing um, virtual tours on Facebook Live and Instagram Lives so people could still kind of connect to the bliss in our barnyard. We started doing online classes um, for students because, you know, schools were shut down and all the kids were at home. We started doing online classes for the students that were science classes and met the science standards. And we grew things in the garden and we talked about Every single species that we have here at the Gentle Barn, we talked about what they eat and how their bodies are similar to ours and how they're different, how they communicate differently and similarly, how they parent, um, what is the difference between a mammal and an egg layer, how do animals develop. We talked about all of that. It was so, so fun. And we also hosted virtual tours, virtual birthday parties, and Zoom hacks. So people around the world were meeting through Zoom, and for a nominal donation, people could have us hack into their Zoom meeting, and for 10 minutes in this serious meeting, all of a sudden they're in the barnyard and they can meet the animals and learn about the gentle barn, and it was a nice break for people on Zoom calls. And the other thing that we did was we started a gentle drive through So instead of people coming in person, they could drive through the gentle barn and be served lunch that they eat in the cars while watching the animals. They listen to audio of the animal stories and the histories of the gentle barn. And they could just get out of their houses with their families and have somewhere inspiring to go that was still COVID safe. And that was really fun too. So a lot of these things were created during the pandemic, but even when we get to open up, it has inspired us to think outside the box and come up with things that we never would have before that we're going to maintain even when COVID is over. So we'll still do virtual tours 
for the people that live across the world. And we'll still do audio recordings that people can listen to in the cars on the way over to visit the Gentle Barn in person. So it's really made us grow and come up with ideas that we wouldn't have, and it was wonderful. Well, it sounds terrific. I, I, I mean, it really with so many i mean i know that the goal is to get people the children back into classrooms and things like that but i think what what you're doing in these in these um classes are are phenomenal and are they geared are you do you do you anticipate continuing to do that this spring or where do you stand with that um yeah so we were going to and uh-huh. then kids started going back to school and we started hosting cow hug therapy sessions and private tours at the Gentle Barn. And it sold out in a matter of seconds. And so now we're so busy hosting those. So I don't even know if we can find the time to do the online classes. Sure. But uh, we're, we're trying because I think that people really enjoyed that. I, I, I would think that given a break from math, this would really be something that parents would sit and watch this class with their kids. And as far as the um, drive-throughs, are you are are those on Sundays? Are you still doing the drive-throughs on Sundays? No, we did them for a while until the second shutdown, where everything shut back down, and we wanted to protect our volunteers and staff, so we stopped the general drive-through. Um, but we did it for several months, and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So right now we are hosting. Okay, so we have three general barn locations. We are open to the public on Sundays in Nashville and St. Louis. And in all three locations, we're hosting what we call cow hug therapy sessions and private tours. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's terrific. Isn't it, isn't it just interesting how in different states, different strokes for different folks, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, this can, can happen there. It makes sense now why, um, Jay is perhaps in Nashville right now. It's really, it's awe-inspiring. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit, because I know that there, I remember, I remember when you were with me last time, and people were like hugging turkeys and hugging goats and just children sitting and then just having a turkey come and sit on their lap. It was like, oh, my God, who does that? You know, it was just so cool because the animals that you rescue are basically farm animals. Am I correct about that? Yeah, we're home to horses, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, turkeys, peacocks, llamas, dogs, cats, donkeys, and we even have a parrot and a pigeon. Okay, so you do have dogs and cats as well. All right, that that's good to know. And of all of the animals you just mentioned, let me just guess. Is the turkey, I'm not the turkey, is the peacock the loudest, like, look at me, look at me, look at me animal you've got? A hundred percent. Aren't they funny? Oh, yeah. my God. You, I was I was out walking somewhere not too long ago, and I thought, oh, there's a peacock somewhere. You could hear it. You could just. They are so. Maybe that's why they're so proud of themselves. But oh my God, they're loud. Oh, that's just so funny. So you really do rescue a lot of different animals. Um, are they? Do do the different locations tend to have different animals more than others, or does it just sort of depend? Well, we have 
most different kinds at our Los Angeles location because we've been here for okay. 21 years. Um, the St. Louis and Nashville location have fewer kinds of animals. I see. Um, but so, like, you know, here in Los Angeles, we have a llama, an emu. This is where our peacock lived. We have the parrot and the pigeon. In Nashville and St. Louis, it's, um, we just have uh, horses, cows, goats, pigs, chickens, okay. and turkeys. <laughs> you know, Elliot's so funny. It, you, I just got a flashback. Didn't a, didn't a peacock used to come into your house talk about this? <laughs> Is yeah. that, am I imagining that? No, we had the greatest guy. His name was Jewel, and he was this male peacock that came out of nowhere and decided to live in our barnyard. And he was so great. He would fly to my second-story yes. window and look in the window when I was getting <laughs> dressed in the morning. He was like a peeping oh Tom. It was hilarious. God. And, yes, That's one so time funny. it rained, and I opened the door, and he came in for lunch. It was great. Oh, my God. You know, I really – I have a lot of stuff up in my head. I mean, it's too much at times. But you just you just hit on a spot that just made me go right there. I remember that story so well. So I know how it makes me feel listening to this. How does it make you feel when you rescue these animals? How does it feel? Mm. It feels like taking a nice deep breath. It's my oxygen. It's my life. It's what I'm here to do. That's, that's simply said, it's your oxygen. All right. So we've talked about the barn, and now I want to talk about the book. So the book is called My, My Gentle Barn, and it's something that you wrote. How long ago did you write that book? Was that 2014, I think? Um. God, was it that far away? (laughs) Time is going by so fast. I know. I think think that's what I read. Um, But regardless, it it wasn't yesterday. Um, But it was just one other thing that you've done when you just added to the list of things that you've done. And, boy, you've done a lot. Um, So let's let's talk about your book. Well, tell me a little bit about the book itself and, and why you wrote it. Um, I always felt like there was a story inside of me that needed to come out, but especially when I started opening the gentle barn and rescuing these animals, it wasn't about my story anymore. It was about theirs, and I want to get, I want to, I want to be their voice, and I want to tell their stories, and I want to illustrate their lives for people so that people can start seeing farm animals the way that we, that our culture sees dogs and cats. They have intelligence, they have personalities, they have love stories, they fall in love, they love being moms, they have families, they celebrate birth, they mourn death, and they're more like us than they are different. And so I know that we in our society like to put everything in little categories, right? So, you know, oh, dogs are lovable, cats are independent, horses are still okay, you know, and then there's all this, these stereotypes. And I want to blur those lines. I want to erase those differences. And I want, kind of want to put farm animals out there as beings that are worthy of love and respect and safety and freedom, just like a dog or just like humans. And so I really wanted to write this book. And the book starts, uh, the first chapter is about my childhood, and it's about how animals saved me. And it's about why I dedicated the rest of my life to saving them. 
And then the rest of the book goes on to starting the gentle barn and the different challenges and obstacles we had to go through. It's about meeting Jay and our incredible love story. Mm-hmm. It's about the founding animals who taught me everything that I know. It's about the original groups that came out to heal and find themselves among the animals. It's about almost losing the gentle barn. And it's about my quest for faith that got me through it and, and, and explains why we're still here today. That's wonderful. It's so inspiring when you know your purpose in life. Many people don't, or many people certainly maybe don't know as young as seven where they were going to end up one day. But you, you've been directed for as long as you can remember, and it's always been, and I, and I think the word gentle is such a, another great descriptor in the way you, you approach life, that you are a gentle person. And uh, like I said, I, I, just, I just love your website. And I love, you know, every day I get something in my inbox about a story about somebody. Today it was about Chico. Um, and you just see this great picture of this, um, you know, animal that's living in, I, where's Chico from? Is Chico in Nashville? No, he's in St. Louis. Oh, he's in St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, there, it's just, it's just great, and and I, I think communication is vital. Uh, it's probably at the heart of who I am. Just like knowing what you were kind of knowing at age seven, I probably didn't know this quite so young, but I always knew that I loved to talk. Now I got in trouble for it for a long time when I was in school <laughs> because I didn't really like school. I would have rather talked, um, but you know, communication just means so much to so many of us and particularly now when we've had to pivot when we've had to change how we communicate just like what you mentioned about doing your online classes or doing your drive-throughs these kinds of things doing your therapy hugs these are just a, a new and different way of getting the message out and as you mentioned thanks to the technology today Thanks to the ability of Zooms and Skypes and all of these different things, I had ne- I'm going to be honest with you, Ellie. I had never heard of the term Zoom hack, which is pretty cool. I, I when I hear the word hack, I always think that means something bad, but in this case, it actually doesn't. And I, I just to, to be able to share your story worldwide um, must just give you such a warm place in your heart to know that you're reaching to so many people. It, it's, just, it's just phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I just love it. And because I know that communication is important to you, I'd like to talk about your, your communications with the animals because some people may not understand what you mean when you say you communicate with animals. So let's talk about how you communicate with the animals. Sure. Um, Well, I'll tell you my earliest memory. My earliest memory with animal communication was I was six years old. I was in my house playing with my dolls, um, and all of a sudden I heard a cry for help. And so I stopped playing. I walked out of the house. I walked down the street. I took the left at the big tree down towards the lake, and I came upon this very, very, very tall tree with a little baby bird that had fallen out of her nest. 
And I picked her up and I said, thanks for calling me. I am going to help you. And I brought her home. I made a nest out of mud and grass. And I fed her and raised her until she was big enough to fly away. And I thought everyone did that. I thought that everyone was connected intuitively and that everyone could hear the whispers from the animals. And come to find out as I grew up and went to high school that the other people around me couldn't talk to animals that way. And um, I got a little bit teased for it. And so I kind of learned in high school to kind of keep it on the down low. So, you know, I could talk to animals. I could hear them. They could hear me but to keep it on the down low and not really broadcast it. So um, before the Gentle Barn, I was a dog trainer, dog walker, dog boarder. Um, I had a dog rescue, and it really helped to find out what an animal had gone through, what they needed, what they wanted, and to be able to get them to their happily ever after. But it wasn't something I ever talked about. And then when I started the Gentle Barn, same thing. I would talk to the horses, the cows, the pigs. I would ask them what they've been through. I would ask them why they're so sad. I would ask them what they need. And I would be able to fulfill their every wish and desire. And it helped us with behavioral problems. It helped us with medical issues. But again, I didn't talk too much about it because I didn't want to be teased or misunderstood or have it invalidate the gentle barn. Um, but people every once in a while would find out what I did and what I could do, and they would come, they would write to the gentle barn and say, you know, my cat is dying, but I don't know if it's time. Can Ellie help me? I lost my dog. I can't find him. Can Ellie help me? And so when people would ask me, I would do readings for them, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of readings for people all over the world to help them with their animals. And I was just so honored to have a gift that could help other people and other animals. Um, but during the pandemic, with um, I was given the amazing honor and opportunity to work and study under Joan Ranquit. And Joan Ranquit has a school for animal communication and energy healing. Um, and she invited me and the location, the Gentle Barn location managers to enroll in her course, uh, really to teach my managers how to do it. But she said to me, you know, I know you've been doing this your whole life, but you don't have any formal training and, you know, you don't have confidence in it come take the class along with your managers. And I said, oh, my God, that's a great idea. And so in taking this class and learning from Joan Ranquit, I have gotten my confidence. And now with this newfound confidence, my husband, Jay, had been telling me for years that I should do animal communication professionally. And I was like, no, 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 I can never take money for it. No, it's just something I want to do to help people. But now with my newfound confidence that I got from Joan Ranquit, my husband set me up a website, and now I'm doing animal communication readings for people all over the world every single day. And I, I, I never thought that I could be happier than just living the gentle barn. Mm -hmm. But now with this new level of helping people, helping animals, connecting to my own intuition, and more importantly, being even more who I'm supposed to be, Oh, my God, I'm like on a whole new level of happiness. I'm so happy. I can't even see straight. I'm so happy doing this. And my website is ellielax.com. And people can come, and I can help them with animals that are alive. I can help them with animals that have passed over. I can help them with behavioral issues. I've found lost animals. I've helped make end-of-the-life decisions. Um, and it, it, I love it. I love it so much. And it's done remotely. All people have to do is send me a picture, give me the animal's name, gender, age, and who the animal lives with, 
and I can tune into them and have wonderful conversations. Well, you know, that's, I don't know, you would probably say there are no ironies in life, but I have to just tell you what happened to me today. I rescued Miss Kitty. Kitty actually is her name, and I refer to her as Miss Kitty. I didn't rescue her. That's the wrong term. I adopted her um, from uh, the Annenberg Pet Space, not too far from my home. She's a six-year-old, beautiful female kitty. Anyway, we had a really big earthquake here today. Not, oh. I don't, I don't, oh, it was huge. It was a 4.0, and it was at a quarter to five in the morning, and trust me, it woke my house up. It woke, and I'm upstairs. My bedroom is upstairs. It's like, holy cow. Oh, no pun intended. That was funny. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that just came out too. Anyway, so it was pretty dramatic, and I thought, whew, glad everything's all right. Well, little Miss Kitty evidently was truly affected by what happened because Mm -hmm. while she came upstairs like she normally does in the morning because she wants me to feed her, she's letting me know that. And, yes, she was rubbing against my legs, Ellie, but she did not meow. She did not meow. She always meows. She meows through my whole shower like, when are you going to get out? When are you going to come down? Meow, 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 like that, like the uh, cat food. No voice. Now, she wasn't acting peculiar in any other way, but no voice. That was not normal. And I thought, wow, what is that all about? So we went downstairs, and it was like, okay, now I know you meow when I feed you. Wait a minute. How come, how come you're looking at me? I'm petting you. You're not running away. You're not hiding under a table. You are looking around. Your eyes are definitely scanning. You look a little bit nervous. But where's your voice? And I thought, oh, my God, I, I, I may have to call somebody. Look who I'm talking to. And so I thought, hmm, this is really unusual. I'm sure this is unusual. I'll have to Google this. Anyway, then I got busy, and then I started doing something, and then I kept talking to her, and then it was like, ew. And I went, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. You didn't lose your voice. And then ultimately, she used a little bit more. And then it wasn't an overwhelming, like, feed me, feed me, feed me, but the voice did come back. So is that what happened? Did she experience some trauma from this this earthquake this morning, do you think? I mean, I don't know. I would have to ask her, but um, okay. they, animals are 100% affected by barometric pressure, changes in weather, change, storms, earthquakes. I mean, they're absolutely affected for sure. Wow. Well, it was. It was. It was. I'm glad that that her voice is back. So and so sorry about me and making that conversation about me. But now let's go back to you. And what I was wondering is, and thank you for also for telling me, Ellie, about your. Um, you're L A Lax, and that's L A C. I mean L A K S. So just so people know how to spell Lax, it's L A K S. Lax.com for people to contact you directly. Um, but I'm just wondering, you you've been in communication with the animal world for a very long time. What is the strangest communication reading you've done? If maybe strange <laughs> is the right word, but you know, I lo- I love stories. Give me a story. Oh, my God, I've had a lot of crazy stories. Um, <laughs> I had a dog who I was talking to, 
and he kept showing me, he was a German shepherd, and he kept showing me a picture of a German shepherd laying dead on the kitchen floor. Over and over and over, he kept showing that to me. So when I talked to his people, I told them that, and they said, well, he didn't die that way. He was euthanized at the vet. And I said, well, why do you think he kept showing me that image over and over and over? And they said, well, I mean, 10 years before he was even born, we had a prior German shepherd that died that way. And I said, well, tell me about that, because he kept showing me a German shepherd laying dead on the kitchen floor and that they discovered her in the morning. So I said, because I told them that, and they said, yeah, that's exactly how it went down. And they said, but it was before he was even alive. How could, they, how could he possibly know that? And I said, well, I don't know. Let me talk to her. So then they sent me a picture of her who died on the kitchen table. And when I talked to her, she told me every single detail of his life. Wow. So I was like, okay, hold on a second. Whoa. Are you guys the same dog? And they were like, yeah, we're the same dog. So he talked about her and she talked about him because they wanted to let me know to tell the people they're the same soul, they're the same dog, that she came back to them. Hmm. And that's, wow. I'm sorry, but I could not have made that up if my life depended on that. Wow. That's, wow. That, I don't even know how to respond to that. That is so interesting to me. And I'm sure you've had... As you mentioned, you've done hundreds of readings, and and they're they're everywhere. So, oh, I'm just I'm just trying to process what you've just said. Um, do you have another fun story you'd like to just tell me about that maybe didn't involve a dog, but maybe involved another animal? Yeah, um, I had a cat. I was talking to a cat who proceeded to give his person the riot act. He said to me to tell her, he said she's not taking herself seriously, she is not taking her life seriously, that she has a lot of good work to do and a lot of good ideas, that she is being lazy, that she needs to get up in the morning and dress for success, she needs to stop playing on her phone and pay attention to her career. Um, He said every time that she gets stressed, she needs to come to him and that he'll purr and she'll pet him and he'll center and level out her energy. He said at nighttime, she is on her phone until she falls asleep. This is unacceptable. He said she needs to get off the phone and be grateful and do like a little centering meditation before she goes to sleep, that she needs to meditate every single day, and that she needs to get her life together. And it was awkward because I had to deliver this message to somebody that I barely knew. Wow. But her cat was saying, look, The other cat is the silly one, the goofy one, you know, the kind of quintessential cat. He said, but I'm not. I'm here to be her teacher. I'm here to elevate her, cleanse her energy, to center and ground her, and she needs to get with the program. And it was amazing that that cat was saying that. Um, I've had animals give marriage advice. I've had animals um, recite bucket lists for me. Like, literally, I had this old dog, sweet, sweet dog, And she was like, I've got a bucket list. I have things that I want to do before I die. Get a pen, get a paper, write this down. And and she said that she wanted to go to the beach. She wanted to go to the top of a mountain and look at the view with her person. She wanted to go on a road trip, and she wanted to be taken out for ice cream. And the person was (laughs) like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm working. I got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm like, look, this is what your dog wants. Like, she has a bucket list. And you don't have to do all of it in one week. But take the summer and take her places and fulfill her wishes because once she's gone, you're going to look back and you're going to feel so grateful that you had all of those cherished memories with her. 
Okay. So to the skeptics listening, or or not, not necessarily skeptical, but I think that if I don't ask this, people are going to ask me, why didn't you ask her that? I mean, how could you not have asked her that? So I am. I'm going to ask you because if you don't know something, the only way you find out is by asking. Yeah. People are going to want to know, and I guess I do too, how do they communicate with you? And what... And how does that work? Can you, can you, I don't even know if that's describable, but I I, I do need to ask it. I am thrilled that you're asking this question. It's such a good question, and I love answering it. So here goes. Okay. I believe that we're all intuitive beings. If you look at the animal kingdom, if you ever have like gone scuba diving or watched a school of fish in a movie, you'll notice that they change direction simultaneously. It's not like there's a leader that says, hey, let's go left, and then everybody goes left. They are changing directions simultaneously. It's like they're one organism. If you look at deer, for example, and they, you know, they want to go t- take a drink, they go down to the river, but they're operating out of intuition. And it's their instincts and intuition that tells them if the water is safe or if there's a tiger lurking nearby. And they don't sit there like us and go, oh, am I just making this up? There's no such thing as intuition. They'd be dead. They trust their inner voice. They operate from their inner voice. Every single species of animal on this planet operates from intuition. And we do too. It's just that in our modern civilization, we have gotten away from it. So if you look at native cultures, they operated out of that same intuition. But we in our modern society, you know, we're busy on our phones. We're busy in class by the time we're five. We're busy with our to-do list and our jobs and making money. And we have kind of gotten away from who we really are and our own intuition. And we're getting in trouble for it because, you know, so I'll give you examples of how we still have intuition, but we don't kind of acknowledge in our culture that we do. I'm imagining that you and your listeners um, have had the experience where the phone rings and before you answer it, you know who it is. I am sure that we have all had the experience where we're talking to somebody and they're smiling and saying all the right things, but the hairs on the back of our neck are standing up and we have a bad (laughs) feeling about them. We have all had circumstances where we've wanted to drive down a certain road or go to a certain place and we just have this bad feeling not to do it. Those are all examples of intuition. Intuition is something that's built inside of us. But like I said, we go to school and we get taught, sit down, be quiet, follow the rules, listen to everybody else. Everybody else knows better than you. And we get taught away from following our impulses and following our own instincts and our own intuition. But we can always find our way back to it. We can always find our way back to it in finding ways to meditate every day and get quiet and centered and still and get reconnected to ourselves. We can take animal communication and energy healing classes from people like Joan Ranquit, and we can find our way back to who we really are and to that still small voice inside of us that's always there to guide us. And when we do, our lives do nothing but improve. Because instead of entering into relationships with people that we really think we shouldn't but we do anyway, when we're connected to our instincts, We follow those impulses, and we don't get into relationships when we have our warning signs going off inside of us. Mm 
or we don't go down that dark road when we have a bad feeling about it. Um, it's just a reawakening that we have to do to return back to who we really are. It's not to learn something new. It's to remember what we've always known and to learn to trust it. That's really great. So in answering the question then, when you're talking to that cat or that dog and they're talking back to you about, you know, she needs to put the cell phone down, you know, she's <clears throat> she's she's just out of control, she's just how do how does how do you how do you get that internal message to yourself? Yeah, thank you. Another great question. So animals talk to me in videos, pictures, and words. So sometimes they show me full scenes. It's like watching a little movie in my head. Other times they'll show me snapshots. And other times I literally can hear their voice in my head and I just write down their sentences. Hmm. And um, it's really just about getting still and quiet. So I do a meditation every morning where I get still and quiet and I get neutral. I kind of check into my own body to know what pains and aches are mine and what, the, what are not. I clear my mind. I clear my mental state. And then in that neutral, open space, I then look at a picture and ask permission to speak to them. And there might be a second or two of kind of awkward silence but then I stay in that stillness and all of a sudden they start showing me images. And I ask them, what are their favorite things? And they'll show me. My favorite thing is to eat this delicious thing out of my bowl or my favorite thing is to snuggle with my person. And they'll show me videos of them snuggling with their person or sitting on the top of the cat tree or going for a walk or playing in the snow or running in the woods. I can see these images in my mind and I just write them down. That's quite a skill. And are, do you think that there are very many people that can do that? Is that part of that, of that course that um, you spoke about that Joan teaches or no? Yeah. I, the reason why I have so much respect for Joan is because she's not just an animal communicator doing her thing. She wants to help other people do it. She wants to create an army of animal communicators. So she's got a real school where you can enroll for two years and learn animal communication and energy healing for animals, and then you get certified at the end of it. So she's training more and more and more of us. Wow. And I think it's really great for people that want to do it professionally, but I also think it's really great for just the average person because when you really connect to your own intuition, you learn to sit still and centered and quiet. You learn to get grounded. The connection that you have with yourself the humans around you, and every creature, whether it's a wild bird or bunny or your own pets, the connection is so rewarding. It's unbelievable. Wow. That's really, that, that's, that's pretty remarkable. What do you think you've, the animals have taught you about life and relationships? You know, they've taught me a lot, but I think the greatest lesson they've taught me is about quote-unquote death because I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of animals that are no longer in their bodies and their people feel guilty by, for, for the way they passed or they're missing them so badly that they just need to hear their voice. And it's so rewarding to do those readings because they'll give me these incredible memories that I get to share with their people and their people are like, oh my God, I remember that. Oh my God, that was wonderful. Or, oh yeah, he always used to do that. And it makes them feel like their animal is really still with them. 
But out of all the readings that I've talked to to past animals, over and over and over again, the animals are saying, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still right here. There's no such thing as death. They don't leave us. They leave their bodies. But the love and the connection is forever. And what I've started doing lately, because so many animals keep telling me, I'm still right there, I'm still right there. So then what I've started to do lately is I've started to say, okay, well, give me proof. Give me proof. Mm-hmm. And they'll, it's amazing. They'll show me what their people are doing, and their people are going, oh, my God, there's no way you could have known that. So, like, one time... Mm-hmm. I was talking to this dog, and, I, and the dog was saying, I'm still right, right with my person. I said, okay, give me proof. What is your person doing right now? And he showed me an image of the woman sitting at the edge of the couch and looking at the rest of the couch and going, I can't believe he's not here. Like, I just can't believe he's not sitting next to me. I can't believe he's not here. And when I told that to the woman, the woman was like, I do that every day. I literally do that every single day. Then I asked another dog for proof, and he showed me an image of his mom sitting in between another dog and a cat and petting them simultaneously. And when I told her that, she goes, she started laughing and she goes, yeah, I'm trying to get my dog and my cat to be friends. And so every (laughs) single solitary day, I sit in between them and pet them simultaneously so they can get used to each other. And then this other rabbit that I talked to that had passed away, he said that he was still with the person, so I asked for proof. And he said, yeah, Tell my mom the proof is that she's got another bunny in the house. And when I told her that, she cracked up and she said right after he he passed, she didn't want to do COVID alone, but she felt too guilty getting another rabbit like like she was replacing him. So she went and got a dog but named the dog Bunny. (laughs) And I I would have never known that. No. So they keep giving me proof that they're like in the house with us. We just can't see them. That must bring so much comfort. You know, for those of us that are on social media, and I'm certainly one of them, I have a really good friend that um, actually works at a SPCA shelter in Palm Desert, Palm Springs, I'm not sure which, and she's always rescued dogs and she keeps them until, as, as many people say, they cross over the bridge. And I'm going to have to absolutely reach out to my friend Chris and tell her, you know what, maybe you want to know what Simon has to say. You need to get a hold of my friend Ellie and see what Simon's saying to you. Um, And Simon says, oh, please, I can't believe I just said that. But anyway, it's really really interesting. Sometimes I amaze. You know, it's, it's honestly, you know something, Ellie. It's so funny because you've talked about intuition a lot, and and I also would like to consider myself a mindful person. It's the way I need to calm myself down because I I tend to be a bit hyper, um, an anxiety personality, which is why yoga has helped me. But the the funny things that I have said. The, what you're saying is that's not by mistake when you said Simon Says, Marcia. That, that's precisely the intuition that I was talking about just a few moments ago. And you didn't know that my friend Chris's dog Simon passed, but I did. Um, mm. That's just, I'm just blown away by that. All right. In continuing, um, I, so I, I know that these this, these readings have done something to teach you about life and relationships. 
what can animal communication readings do for people like my friend Chris that, you know, that just, you know, lost her dog this past week? How do you help her with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is absolutely devastating that we outlive our beloved animals, and sometimes our animals are closer to us than most of the people in our lives are. So when they pass, um, it creates a lot of grief. And not only do we suffer so much from grief, but we as a people tend to start thinking to ourselves, oh, I could have done this, I should have done more of that, oh my God, what if it was too late, what if it was too early, the passing... Um, And we just riddle ourselves with regret and guilt, and that makes the grief even worse. So, I mean, some people are just so despondent. And the other reason why losing an animal is so um, painful is because most of the time you can't tell your boss, you know, I want to take a week off because my dog died. You know, it's not honored in our culture that that's real grief. And so... You know, if your husband dies, God forbid, or your child, mm-hmm. everyone around you is going to understand your pain and be very understanding of that. But when your beloved animal passes, the people in your lives sometimes are not as understanding. So you're in terrible pain, but you're not seen for the pain that you're in or not supported for it. So sometimes um, people need to just get some comfort and coming to an animal communicator, when I do readings for people whose animals have passed, like I said, they can relive their favorite memories, their favorite things to do, the favorite treats. Um, if the people are feeling guilty for something, you can get the animal's perspective of whether it was bad for them or not. You know, over and over I hear people say, you know, my, 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 my animal had this horrible illness and I don't know, did I wait too long or did I euthanize them too early? And they carry around so much guilt for it. And then you get the animal's perspective and the animal saying, oh my God, this is what it felt like in my body. One of the things that I can do is I can scan an animal's body as if their body is in my body. So I can literally feel in my body what they felt. Wow. So I can, you know, their people are saying, were they in pain? Did they suffer? And I can feel it in my body. I can say, oh my God, I'm feeling a huge pressure in my stomach. It's very painful. It's hard to breathe and it's hard to move around and I have no appetite. And they'll go, yeah, my animal wasn't eating and they weren't walking around. And I'll say, okay, so this pain is so terrible. And then I can ask the animal to show me the moment they lift out of their body. And it's always this instantaneous relief. And so I can relay to those people, no, you, you didn't do it, you didn't leave it too late, or you didn't help them go too early. They were suffering, they were in pain, and you gave them relief. And they lifted up out of their body, and they felt tremendous peace. And you gave them a gift. And it gets rid of that guilt and that regret. And they know then they did the right thing. And then, you know, they have this emptiness. Like one minute they have this beautiful angel that they could hold and smell and kiss and touch. And now they're gone to hear that they're still with them, to hear that they're still connected, to learn to change that relationship from one of physical to being able to close their eyes and think of their animal and know that they're still there. Or sometimes animals give them signs. Um and to know that that sign is from their animal, it brings them comfort. It gives them relief. It allows them to move on. 
Sometimes I have animals say, oh, for the love of God, you've been in a house alone for six months. Get another dog. And the person will say, oh, I've wanted to get another dog, but I feel guilty. And the animal saying, no, get another dog. It's time. Get another dog. You know, sometimes the animal saying, look, you feel like you're honoring my memory by being sad, but that's not honoring my memory. I want you to be happy. I'm giving you permission to be happy and move on. And the people get to move on and have permission to do so, and it helps the grieving process tremendously. I can I I can hear that, and I can see that. And, you know, as we're talking and I'm reflecting myself um, about how we are intuitively, and you mentioned at the very top of the show about a hummingbird, there isn't a time when I see a hummingbird that I don't think of my mom. Mm. There isn't a time when I don't see a black-hooded Phoebe that I don't think of my husband. Mm. I mean, it is just that bird that is connected to my family, connected to me and my husband. That bird landed in a tree where he was, where we were deciding where the burial plot should be. It's like, mm. oh, you like the spot, Butch? Okay, fine. The bird showed up in my daughter's backyard when she was deciding whether she should buy this house. Mm. It's like, I think Dad thinks you should buy this house. There he is. He's over there on the, on the telephone line. So while I'm not hearing Dad speak, I think this is kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? We, it's exactly just, what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's exactly what I'm talking about, Marsha, so you understand animal communication now because you're already doing it. I don't hear, I don't. I don't I don't hear the conversation. I don't I don't hear my mother or hear Butch speaking, but I I feel them. I feel Yeah, them it's here. a knowing. It's, it's, it's a knowing. A, it's a and, knowing, yeah. And knowing is part of animal communication too. Yeah. How about so, I mean, really that's, changed go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so that's intuition. So now you understand what it is because you practice it. You're already practicing it. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think we do it with a lot of things, Ellie. I think we do it, you know, when we've lost somebody and you smell something. That's Oh, that smells like grandma. Or, oh, you know, every time I smell peaches, I immediately think of so-and-so. You know, I think we mm. just, if we're open to it, you know, I think that there's a lot of things like that that are out there that, if you're open to it, you're more apt to experience it. Uh, I, I, I'm just wondering, if this, must have, this must have really changed your life, having this ability to communicate with animals, hasn't it? It's changed my life completely. I, and I've, like I said, I, I've talked to animals my whole life, but having this confidence that I'm no longer questioning it and I'm no longer ashamed of it and I'm using it every single day, I'm finally who I've always meant to be. I am finally me. I have finally accepted 100% of me. And there's a freedom and a peace and a joy in that that I wish for every single solitary person. Yes. I know. I, I, would, I would so agree with what you're saying. And I know that we're getting to the top of the hour, and I think it's really important for people to understand that you do accept donations, and there is a donation site um, located right there on your website at gentlebarn.org, and I would encourage people to just consider, 
if if you've if you've appreciated what it is that Ellie is doing and how she is communicating and what she's doing that are so important to animals and not only just animals but people that love their animals you know we may not physically have them in our on our laps forever that's that's to be we understand death is one of the things you mentioned but to know that you can just sort of think about i have pictures of my past cats i have one in my bedroom i look at wilbur and i look right into wilbur's face and i remember what Wilbur was like and what Wilbur liked to eat and what kind of a cat Wilbur was, you know. And um, and now I've got Miss Kitty, and now I'm speaking to her on a regular basis. And, yes, she looks straight into my eyes. And I, you know, I love I love trying to figure out what she's telling me. And, you know, this whole not, not meowing this morning, it was like, oh, my God, I mean, where's your what, – what happened to your voice? Okay, okay, just trust the process, Marsha. It's coming back. She is coming back. You just have to give her a little bit of time. She's probably never experienced an earthquake quite like this in her life. So I'm happy mm. to report that, she, that she's back and that that is really great. But this has been a really insightful show with you, and I know that you have so many things that you do every day, Ellie, and I, I hope that you know at one point you'll be able to join Jay and get over to Nashville or get over to St. Louis so that you can – visit your animals there but this has been a joy having you be a guest on my show once again and you know once a year or thereabouts we need to do this again just to have updates on where you are and what's happening at the foundation and and when people can literally come back and even if we don't even if you're not a guest on my show please let's stay in contact so that I can let people know when they can visit and as you mentioned now they are able to visit you at your other locations but the one that's by my house currently is not available but we're hoping that someday soon um that that will be lifted especially if you can stay in your car um i don't understand why that can't be something that will happen sooner than later Mm. thank you so much for having me you're welcome ellie and and the best to jay and to your team that that support you and all of these animals out here that continue to speak with you it's been a joy And I thank you all for listening. I'm going to let Ellie get on to her next call. And thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful week. And bye for now. Bye. Bye, Ellie.